0: Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Riley Smith.
1: I for one am welcoming the extended Labor Day weekend after three weeks of the Iowa State Fair and the Farm Progress Show. Now it's time to get ready to cover harvest season. Welcome to this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Mark Magnuson will join us later on in the show. As for right now, let's start with a quick look at the news headlines. The USDA's Economic Research Service forecasts inflation adjusted U.S. net cash farm income to increase by $13.5 billion, or 8.7% from 2021. Net cash farm income is gross cash income minus cash expenses and will reach $168.5 billion in 2022 the highest level since 2012. In comparison, net farm income is forecast to drop by almost $1 billion from 2021 to $147.7 billion this year. That drop comes after net farm income increased by $44 billion in 2021 to the highest level since 2013. Net farm income is a broader measure of farm sector profitability that incorporates non-cash items, including inventory changes, economic depreciation, and gross rental income. Both cash receipts and expenses are forecast to increase. Cash receipts for farm commodities are projected to rise by $66.3 billion, or 14% from the previous year, to reach $525.3 billion this year. Production expenses will also increase by $44 billion to $437.3 billion. In other news, the USDA's Agricultural Marketing Service on Wednesday announced an additional $21.9 million for grant projects through the Meat and Poultry Inspection Readiness Grant Program. The funding awards 111 projects, bringing the program's total funding to $54.6 million. The funding will help strengthen and develop new market opportunities for meat and poultry processors throughout the United States. Facility improvements and expansions funded through the program will help processors obtain a federal grant of inspection or qualify for a state's Cooperative Interstate Shipment Program. Achieving a federal grant of inspection or operating under a Cooperative Interstate Shipment Program allows meat and poultry processors to ship products across state lines, develop new markets, increase capacity, and better meet consumer and producer demand along the supply chain. The USDA also encourages grant recipients to request assistance through the Meat and Poultry Processing Capacity Technical Assistance Program. The Technical Assistance Program, launched in March of this year, connects participants to a nationwide network of resources and expertise. And that's all the time we have for news headlines this week. You can check out the rest of our daily news stories on IowaAgNet.com. And go ahead and subscribe for our newsletter while you're at it to get those stories delivered to you conveniently every day. As for right now, we'll go ahead and kick it over to Russ Parker with his faith-based food for thought here on Weekend Ag Matters.
2: Life can sometimes be a hit or miss affair. After vaccinations, boosters, wearing a mask, listening to Don't Bring Home the COVID, it finally hit me this past week. And the resulting miss, the Farm Progress Show. I don't think I've missed the Farm Progress Show In the last 44 years that that event has been held. But I suspect if you're human hitting and or missing can be a memorable experience. Kind of reminds me of the current TV commercial when the guy leaves the room to retrieve a bag of chips and the baby walks for the first time and he misses it. I would call that a definite miss. Life serves up all kinds of opportunities to hit or miss. And for some of these, there's a process of keeping score. I watched Serena Williams in one of the opening matches of the 2022 U.S. Open the other night, where she ousted the number two ranked player in the world. And at nearly 41 years of age, I might add, a definite hit. It's also true that hitting or missing can kind of roll around in our memories as Opposed to having a definitive measurement like the score of a tennis match. For example, I can recall forgetting to turn on the video camera during a good friend's daughter's wedding. A definite miss. Or the story of my high school friend who described her son playing in the College World Series and batting the winning home run. A definite hit. These are examples of the hits and misses that mold our lives sometimes by chance but maybe more often than not with purposeful planning. Birthdays, graduations, weddings, births of children and the celebrations of life events often include photos, gatherings and communication. All definite hits. So in all of this I'd propose one event that you don't want to miss. An invitation to accept Jesus Christ into your life. I'm sure in yours and mine last breath, it'll be a definite hit. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day.
1: Thanks, Russ. That's it for segment one on this week's episode. Coming up after this short break, Dustin talks with Max Armstrong at this year's Farm Progress show. This is Weekend Ag Matters.
3: September means that harvest is about to begin in Iowa. The 2022 growing season has provided a lot of challenges with heat and drought for many parts of the state. But as always, there are excellent crops across Iowa that are ready to be harvested. Now we must stress that it is very important to exercise safety during this essential part of a producer's year. Take the time to follow all safety instructions while harvesting so that you can take pride in the results of this year's hard work. Have a safe harvest from all of us at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
0: Well, as Riley talked about in segment one, we were busy this week at the Farm Progress Show in Boone. Great to be back at that site after a four-year hiatus of course, the 2020 pandemic had everything to a virtual standpoint here going into that year. And so they forfeited that year and went right back to Decatur last year. But it was back in Boone and we had perfect weather for it. But you can't go to an event like the Farm Progress Show where you see farmers and businesses from all over the country without talking to a few of the people that have been there for a lot of years and seen that show grow from its humble beginnings to what it is today today. And of course, the voice of the show is someone that we all know and hardly needs introduction. But Max Armstrong of the RFD-TV and WGN Radio it has been a voice at the Farm Progress Show for many, many years. We had a chance to catch up with him and talk about the history of the show and talk about some of his favorite memories as the years have progressed. Business Radio Network Farm Progress Show 2022 in Boone, and I'm with a guy who needs really no introduction, but we will do it anyway, Max Armstrong. How's it going,
4: sir? Oh, it's great, Dustin. Can't complain. Here we are with pretty doggone decent show weather. I mean, uh, if we hadn't had that blast, Last weekend, we could have been a little bit happier, but farmers got some beneficial moisture out of it, so it's hard to complain.
0: Yeah, especially around here. I mean, and we don't even have it as bad as the west does, but it's still uh, been plenty dry around here. Things were pretty crispy, so, I mean, anything, we'll take it.
4: We're a little bit nervous, you know, when you get a storm coming through, remembering uh, August 10th of two years ago. And a friend of mine had a good windstorm across his farm just southwest of Chicago this week, and he said, I was holding my breath. It just took leaves off the corn stalks. It stood pretty well, though.
0: Yeah, and that's always, always a good thing. And yeah, we had that memory of uh, everything we were when we were here for the media-only event uh, tw- two years ago because of the pandemic. It was pretty. Um Representative of Iowa at the time. There was a bin still blown over from the derecho. The corn was dry because we didn't gotten any rain except for the derecho. And it just, and it was empty because of the pandemic.
4: You know, what's funny about that? So many people had never heard of a derecho before that. Now every year we have one, oh, there's another derecho. So we're mindful of, of the damage that it brought and how it turned things around to the grain market rather substantially.
0: Yeah, that it did. Well, Max, you're a veteran of these farm progress shows. You know, tell us a little bit about where this show has come from and to get. Get where we are today.
4: Yeah, it all started almost 70 years ago. It started in 1953. Actually, the decision was made on Michigan Avenue in Chicago, where uh, Prairie Farmer Magazine and WLS Radio were together there, and uh, some advertising agency guys and they said, We need to get this equipment out and demonstrate it. In fact, the past president of uh, NAFB, Dix Harper, was involved in that decision to help start that first show, which was in Illinois. It was uh, north of uh, Danville, Illinois, northwest of there at the a place called called Armstrong, Illinois. And it was amazing. They had, uh, you know, tens of thousands of farmers show up out there in the field. It was later then. It was the end of October. I'm sorry. It was the end of, uh, yeah, it was the beginning of October, end of uh, September. And um, so it's, you know, it was cooler then. And that was the way it was for many, many years. This show didn't become more of a summer show until I believe the 2004 show.
0: And of course, you know, that time of the year, September, October, getting farmers away from the field, especially when you're up in this region of the country when the time's of the essence, that's a tall order.
4: Yeah, the challenge now, of course, is to get your corn crop mature in time at the show site to be able to demonstrate the combines, and that became the challenge this year with the inability to plant in a timely manner, even a short variety season corn
0: yeah that it wasn't You know we were talking with some people around iowa here that's probably what saved us a little bit is the fact that we got in late so we were able to be wet have a good wet soil to plant in and it's carrying us through a lot of this drought right now and we saw some of those numbers last week
4: yeah exactly that's what some of my friends were saying too some folks that i talked to in this particular area i'm glad it was your
0: phone went off instead of mine <laughs> it's usually my alarm to wait to make sure i get the markets out on time you know how that goes yeah you
4: prompted me to shut mine off so thanks <laughs> oh it's good when the host makes the mistake instead of the guest
0: <laughs> true that's true so when did it become more of a thing where we just move it back and forth between Decatur and Boone
4: well that would have been I want to say it was around the 2005 show you know 2003 was the last one where it went to an actual farm and it rained out two of the three days of that show the first day was just tremendous and a cell parked right over the show site there at uh, Uh, the uh, town of Henning, Illinois. I mean, if you looked at the radar that morning at 6 o'clock, the entire Midwest was clear except for that show site. It was a cell about 10 miles in diameter and just rained and rained and rained, rained out the show for that day. And, that's when they said, you know, we've got to go to a permanent site. One of the exhibitors told me, he said, I spent $20,000 on wood chips and we got one day. So he said, we need to do something about it. Farm Progress established great show sites that have just gotten better and better as time goes by, like this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could dump a two-inch, <laughs> do I do not even suggest it?
0: Well, you we could... wouldn't argue,
4: though. <laughs> we could use it. <laughs> you could dump a two-inch rain on this site, right on the site where the tent city is and the drainage is so superb, it would just take it away. I saw that happen
0: one year. Well, you know, it was just uh, four years ago we had that thing put to the test. I mean, yeah, the parking lot was a little tough yeah, getting out, exactly. but the, the, the grounds were good and then and held up to the test.
4: Yeah, you know, the drainage and the permanent uh, streets, and then, of course, now we have the Varied Industries tent paved. I mean, what an advance that is. If you can remember slopping around in there, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, everybody was muddy in there, and you'd come out with mud on your boots, and it's uh, th- those exhibitors in the VIT have to feel like they've died and gone to heaven.
0: I bet they have. Now, you did a lot of years with Orion here yeah. doing this show, and He's not been coming back for this last year, a couple years now. I mean, it's kind of probably missing him having him along.
4: Oh, my goodness. Uh, Thanks for remembering him. He and I exchanged messages just last night, and he said to say uh, hello to people like you asking about him. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit different uh, having been here with him over all of those years. Uh, He started covering the show in 1960 when he first came to Chicago from WBAY TV down to WGN and he's been to so many of these and we were the tag team together on so many occasions so this is different for him he's got some mobility challenges it's tough for him to move around without a wheelchair these days but his mind is very sharp and he wanted to be remembered and thank you for remembering
0: him oh definitely you can't forget Orion Samuelson and be in this uh, in this industry he's uh he's touched a lot of us on uh, many levels
4: oh my goodness don't get me started with Orion stories oh no, no you won't get me shut up
0: <laughs> so I, I always usually when I have somebody on here i try to ask them something that you know a memorable moment things like that something they enjoy max i'm sure you've had thousands of them in your career i mean what's something that sticks out maybe farm progress something that's always going to stick with you
4: oh my goodness it was 10 days after 9-11 maybe maybe 15 days after 9-11 it's somewhere in that time frame and uh, we're we're still wondering what's going to happen to our nation. We were at the farm just south of Lafayette, Indiana and Alan Kemper's farm, past president of both the American Soybean Association and the National Corn Growers. And this gentleman came up to me with tears in his eyes and he started talking and I thought, wait a minute, he's not from the Midwest. He said, Max Armstrong, I just wanted to thank you for what you said about my nephew on television last weekend. Well, this was Dr. Albert Oganowski from Massachusetts. He was the uncle of John Oganowski, who was at the controls of the American Airlines plane that had been commandeered into the World Trade Center just about two weeks before. He pulls out pictures out of his pocket, Albert does, and he says, here's here's John and me. We were at the show last year in Illinois, and there we were. The two of them were standing under a center pivot irrigation system. He came back that year to the show just two weeks after that disaster of 9-11 to to show me that photograph of him and his nephew. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things, just, it grabbed you, and he thought, oh, goodness, I, I, you know, just, I feel so blessed to have been in such a situation to meet somebody like that. Since then, I've talked with... uh, uh, the pilot's brother just had him on last year on the air. The farm continues in Massachusetts where John Oganowski, the pilot, had been a farmer. He was on the Massachusetts Farm Bureau board, as a matter of fact, back in those days. So that's one memory that I'll never, ever forget, Dustin. Thank you for allowing me to tell a longer-than-necessary story, probably. You've been very patient, but I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, Max, we uh, we love having you on here, and we thank you for taking the time to visit with us, and you're it's, busy. It's obvious, for it's obvious I took all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, he's get good. The, get a hook. Get <laughs> <out here. laughs> Never would do that to you, Max, but we thank you so much. Well, we know you. you're busy here, and so thanks for being on with us. Such an honor to be on
4: with you, sir. I appreciate, Dustin, the job that you're doing. Well, I appreciate it, and thank and you very much. You.
0: And, right, and there you. goes my right, phone you. again. Get him off the air. <laughs> Get me off the air. Thanks. <laughs> that, again, was Max Armstrong with me at the Farm Progress Show here on Weekend Ag Matters. When we come back, Mark Magnuson will be in to wrap things up.
3: Hi, my name is Ethan Smith and I've been a Certified Crop Advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. Mark Magnuson with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network and I'm joined now by Kevin McNew. He is the Chief Economist with Farmers Business Network And Kevin, it was interesting, I just had a chance to hear you give a little bit of a talk here at the Farmers Business Network tent here at Farm Progress. And you were talking about a lot of topics that really do affect Iowa farmers right now. So let's start off locally with the drought conditions that we saw in Northwest Iowa this year, Western Iowa, and kind of what came about after the recent crop tours. What was your takeaway from the numbers that came back from those tours?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is crop uh, the crop tour that farm or farm uh, pro farmer did was was kind of confirming of what we've been seeing from our model based forecast of yields uh, which are you know yields are not really good and you know USDA sitting at 175 for the US uh, you know we thought the USDA was too optimistic in Nebraska in Iowa and some of these you know, drought and and heat intense areas. So, you know, there's still a lot of game left. We'll see how the numbers fare out, but I'm more on the side of lower yields than, than where USDA is today.
3: And then because of the weather conditions and the extreme differences on the eastern part of the state, some farmers might see maybe their best year ever or one of their best years ever. It's just interesting how that little change can make such a huge difference.
5: Yeah, I mean, really it comes down to who got rain, when and where, and, and that is such a critical issue. And we see it so specifically this year, you know, just a lot of variability. I know Illinois, Northern Illinois, looking really good. Uh, the rest of the state, Central Illinois, Eastern, or Western Illinois, closer to the river, not so good. So there's just a lot of variability as we go into the harvest season.
3: Another big topic that you were mentioning is, of course, fertilizer prices. And those prices have been high. You have a feeling that they're going to continue to be high. Did I get the correct read on that and maybe even higher?
5: Yeah, sadly, Mark, that's true. I mean, I know farmers are are looking at uh, retail values for fertilizer or talking to their retailers about fall needs, and, and it's not particularly a good picture. You know, we have seen fertilizer back down in the last few months, but I think that's short-term, and and really the takeaway message is the world is going to struggle to find available nitrogen fertilizer, and that's really a result of what's going on in natural gas, and specifically Europe's inability to get natural gas. Europe is the third largest nitrogen fertilizer producer in the world. Uh, Fortunately, the U.S. is number one because of all of our availability of, of natural gas. And so I think the good news for our U.S. farmers is, you know, in the next few years, it could get really interesting around corn, because I don't know that the rest of the world can grow corn without nitrogen fertilizer the way we can. And, and U.S. farmers are going to be well-positioned to take advantage of that. So my advice is, um, you know, hold your nose and write that check for that co-op or that retailer now and get it locked in so in a perfect world if there was we snapped our
3: fingers and there was peace in ukraine and russia was able to provide that natural gas that it has kind of shut down from the rest of europe would those numbers drop right away if that were able to happen or is this something that we're we're dealing with that's going to be around a while no matter
5: what yeah i mean that's that's a great question mark i think i think maybe a more realistic question is um if war ceased would we go back to normal because we have to realize that you know, what's happened and transpired has changed a long-term paradigm. You, know, you, don't, you don't just stop firing and go back to normal because so much has changed around the world view of Russia, where Russia sits in the world powerhouse, and will they be let back in? So I think my takeaway is, even if there were a ceasefire and, and a ceasing of military conflict, I don't know that Russia gets back into the good graces of the world anytime soon. And my expectation is the next three to five years might look something like where we're at today. Staying on that part of the world and going a little bit farther to the
3: east, when we talk about China right now, they're also dealing with drought conditions. I know it's in the Yangtze River Valley. And from what I understand, that's not necessarily their breadbasket that produces the most corn and soybeans. But how much is that going to affect the markets worldwide, the fact that they might have to import more than we originally thought?
5: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that region is, you know, not a huge player in in the bigger cycle of corn stuff, but you know, it's it's a it's a number, and that we'll have to kind of look at. Europe's a big issue right now. Obviously, a lot of drought there. Um, what I'm really more concerned about, I think, is is what's going on in South America, or will be going on, as we turn our attentions to there. We're in a third year of a La Nina, Mark. That's pretty unprecedented. And you know, most farmers probably know by now that La Nina this time of year spells problems for South America. So you know, Argentinian farmers are already behind the eight ball, lower precipitation, uh, heading into planting. We're hearing a lot of talk that farmers are gonna throttle back on corn as a result. And so I think that again is another bullish input into the corn market. So with everyone looking
3: to South America to maybe do some heavy lifting for really the world this year and helping to feed the world with Ukraine not being able to export as much as we're used to seeing the drought issues in Europe, and then also all of the natural gas issues we talked about, our own problems here in the U.S. with drought. And if South America doesn't do maybe what we're hoping it can do, what does that mean for the big picture?
5: <laughs> you know, the big picture is getting really complex, Mark. I mean, my takeaway to the farmers is a couple of things. One is, you know, I want to be holding on to my corn as long as I can and economically as I can because I think corn is going to be the leader in the next run up in in the bull market. Wheat and beans were kind of the first round of the leader and now I think the leaderboard switch and corn takes charge. So that's my first advice. My second advice is get really good at how you use nitrogen. I don't know if that means looking at alternative sources like livestock manure, poultry manure, Uh, or new technologies that are coming down the pipe. You know, we at FBN have a nutrient and nitrogen application tool we're developing and going to be releasing shortly. You know, nitrogen is going to be not only such a costly resource, but it also plays into a lot of the sustainability programs. You know, we're working with ADM and Poet around paying farmers for sustainable practices that include efficient use of nitrogen. So, I think there's a lot of opportunity for the farmer to really kind of take hold of his operation and make some changes.
3: And at the same time, we're sitting here talking about the doom and gloom side of the global picture, but when you localize it, you do still have some good prices and some very higher yields, especially when you think about 10 years ago. I mean, the numbers are just so much higher. So there's still a lot of positives for farmers here in the United States and in Iowa.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, my takeaway, and I was talking to livestock guys here too, and of course the livestock guys are are really concerned when I tell them the story about corn. I think the story is, You know, inputs are going to go up, and specifically nitrogen fertilizer. It's going to take corn a while to get to that point where it discovers that it needs to go higher. And the livestock side, same way. Corn's going to go up, eventually, you know, hog prices, you know, fat cattle prices, those will do the same thing. So it's going to be a situation where I think farmers have to get a little more aggressive about getting their inputs locked in and waiting for the next wave up in bull prices of commodities. Well, Kevin, we've learned a lot here today. Is there anything else that's
3: got your ear a little bit, maybe questions that producers have been asking you or just something that really has interested you in what's happening right now that our listeners need to know about?
5: You know, I think I'll go back to the fertilizer and you know, at FBN we're so um, dialed in to helping our farmers understand costs of their things, and especially transparency around costs, whether it's chemistry, uh, seed. And now we're getting into fertilizer. You know, with fertilizer markets doing what they're doing, there's a lot of farmers that I'm talking to at the trade show that are are like, you know, my farmer got a different price than I did, or my neighbor got a different price than I did. So we're gonna be doing a fertilizer survey here um, this month and releasing that at the end of the month. And, you know, we encourage farmers to just shop, you know, There's a lot of more resources coming online, whether it's FBN or other companies. You know, maybe look outside what you've been doing because it's going to be a time to adjust your operation.
3: And that's something I've learned, too, just being at Farm Progress. Sometimes with a lot of these issues, there are
5: answers. It's just that you have to tweak things and find the right response to them. Exactly. Yep. Farming's always an iterative process. You know, you just you can't do it the same every year, year in and year out.
3: He's Kevin McNew. He's the chief economist here at Farmers Business Network. Kevin, thanks so much for making time for us and have a great rest of the Farm Progress Show. Thank you, Mark. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks for tuning in on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. You can find replays of this week's show and all of our Weekend Ag Matters shows under the podcast tab at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Dustin Huffman, and Riley Smith, thanks for listening to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.